listening to Venture Church Podcast. For more information, visit www.jointheventure.com. You know, there's some things uh, in life that just can't be faked. Now, I, I don't know about you, but me, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a soft drink enthusiast. I love a good soda. And for about the last 20 years or so, my favorite soft drink has been Pepsi. Any Pepsi fans? Just curious. Yeah, for real? All right, well, here's the thing. I, so I don't have to make a couple of you feel too bad. Recently, like literally in the last six months, I've begun to prefer Coke. Any Coke people in the house? Yeah, see, that's... And I don't like, it's kind of like a Carolina fan wearing a Duke hat. It's like, oops, like what happened? But it's true. But here's the thing. Both of them are really good sodas, and you just can't fake that. And to me, like, maybe this is you. Maybe you're like the store brand soda person. You're like the generic, that's cool, that's all you. But please don't try to tell me that it tastes the same, okay? Because it doesn't taste the same. It tastes like brown sugar water to me. That's me. Now, you probably feel the same way about something that I like. And so maybe for you it's not, maybe not soda, but like to me when I, when I see that, I think, well, that's not real. That's counterfeit. That is a counterfeit soda. Maybe for you, you feel that strongly about other things. Uh, for you, it could be, um, I don't know, uh, your toilet paper brand, right? Some people are serious about that stuff, and I get what they're, there are some things that are luxury. There are other things that are just plain luxurious. You know what I'm saying? And so like, and don't try to tell me that that sandpaper, single ply, uh, you know, public school supply closet toilet paper is the same as my Charmin because it's not. It's counterfeit. And so we see that across the board. And, and it's not just like you might have something that you prefer. It might be a car brand, a computer brand, a phone brand, some clothes, some shoes. And it's not just because you're like snobby and you, and you, can't, you can't use the generic stuff of whatever. It's just like when you look at it, you think, I mean, this is authentic. This is the real thing. And everything else is counterfeit. Counterfeit. We get the idea of counterfeit, right? When you think about counterfeit, you probably think about what? Money? Yeah? When I was, uh, I was in high school, I'm not sure how old my friend was. He might have actually been in college by this time. But anyway, um, <laughs> my friend and his buddy, uh, he, they, he was kind of a computer genius. Before there were a lot of computer geniuses. We didn't even have the internet yet uh, at this time in our home. And so, but this guy had, um, he had a lot, some, some computer savvy. And so him and his buddies went out and, and they bought one of the first copier, scanner, printer combo deals. And they had this bright idea. What if we try to scan in a $20 bill and print it off? Like, that, that should be no problem, right? Like, how hard could that be? So they did, and they went to, like, I don't know, Pizza Hut or Domino's, some pizza joint, and they bought a pizza. And later that week on the news, um, it was announced that uh, police had apprehended the masterminds of a local counterfeit ring. These guys made, like, two $20 bills, got arrested. It was counterfeit. Good, no, good news, they got off on good behavior because it was like, oh, I'm sorry. I, no, we'll pay for it. You can't counterfeit. You can't make up for the authentic, for the real, for the genuine, right? You just can't replace that. But I, I wonder this, and this is the real question for today. Like, I wonder if God ever looks at us and he thinks, I just want the real thing. I just want authentic, genuine I don't want counterfeit. Is it possible for us to live the type of life that is authentic, real, genuine, and not counterfeit? I think that it is. And, uh, you know, at Adventure Church, we've got this thing that we love to do, and that is when we have the, the most important questions in life, 
We like to look at the Bible to find the answers. And so this morning we're going to be digging into the Bible a little bit. If you've got one with you, uh, we've got, uh, we can pull that out. If you don't have one, we've got free ones to give away. There's some that are kind of scattered among some of the seats underneath you there. Uh, we also have free ones in the back there by the coffee. Feel free to grab one before you leave or even right now. Jump on your, on your uh, smartphone and use one there as well. Um, but we're going to be reading in the Bible, and if you don't have a Bible, uh, you can also gr- look at the screen. It's going to be behind me. We're in this teaching series called Wise War- Words from a Former Skeptic. It's basically a teaching series through the book of James in the Bible. So we're here at this book, and just kind of a snapshot of where we've been over the last two weeks. James is the half-brother of Jesus, which is a pretty big deal because... Growing up, he knew Jesus, and then all of a sudden, as an adult, Jesus starts to have this great following and saying, I'm the son of God, and stuff like that. And James was a skeptic. The Bible says his brothers and siblings didn't believe in him. James was a skeptic, but something serious happened in James's life. Something major. He begins to see his half-brother Jesus doing miracles. And eventually, crucified, executed on a Roman cross, and raised from the dead. I don't know about you, But if I saw my brother raised from the dead and come after me after I had already seen him die and buried and seen my mother mourning for several days and then have him come visit me. We talked about that in week one. I'm a believer, right? I'm in. And so that's James. That's this guy. He's one of the, to me, one of the greatest historical proofs for who Jesus is. Um, But he wrote this book. And the book is full of all kinds of wise wise things and things that we should live by. So we're going to be in the book of James today. And we're going to be in chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there or you can look on the screen. I'm going to read kind of a lengthy section right now. So follow along. But uh, I'll be breaking it up over the course of the next few minutes so that we can understand it better. Let's look into this together. James chapter 2, starting at verse 14. Here we go. James says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes or daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And he goes on. But if someone will say... You have faith and I have deeds. Like there's two different things. James says, will you show me your faith without deeds? I'll show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there's one God? Good. Even the the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see, that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not just by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body is with, without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Now there's a lot of stuff talking about maybe some stories from the Bible, Abraham and Rahab, and maybe you haven't heard those stories. That's okay. We're going to kind of touch on those in here just in a minute. But he's, he's got this big dichotomy that he's bouncing back and forth between faith, deeds, faith, deeds. Some people call them works, faith, works. And the question is, which one do you need to make God happy? That's the question. Do you need faith or is it about what you do? What I'd like to do this morning is unpack this really loaded passage and walk away with an understanding of how we can make sure we're not living a counterfeit life when we live a real, authentic, genuine 
life that can honor God. So let's start by kind of dealing with what James was talking about here when he talks about faith and deeds. Why does it even matter? Who cares? Who cares about this discussion? Like, can't you just be a good person and not kick your dog and, like, uh, don't bother your neighbor too much? Like, isn't that really good enough? Well, the bigger question is this. The bigger question is, how do we make God happy? Not like God is some tyrant up in the sky who's just trying to just have jollies and giggles and watch us run around confused. But, like, God sets the standard by which we should live. And when we live by a certain standard, that brings him joy. And so the question really in life is, how can we live up to that standard, or how can we make God happy? It's kind of a definition for the word worship. How do we show God that we value him enough to live by the things that he shut out for us? It's kind of like parenting. Like, my goal isn't necessarily that my kids are perfect. I mean, that'd be, that'd be nice <laughs> and easy. I don't want them to be perfect, though. What I want them to do, though, is embody the character that I'm trying to teach them, right? They don't have to be perfect, but I want them to be headed in the right direction, and that's what God wants from us. And we want to help him help him achieve that by some things that we do and some things that we believe. So, which is where this whole conversation of faith and deeds comes in. And so the Bible kind of talks about this a lot. And most of the time when you hear them talking about it in the Bible, they're talking about one side of the argument, faith. Like, let's look at a couple of verses in the Bible that talk about faith. This is Hebrews 11 and verse 6. This says, without faith, it is, what, you guys read it, impossible to please God. And so sometimes we're like, well, I, I don't I'm pretty good. Like, isn't that good enough? And God says, without faith, it's impossible to please me. I, I need you to have faith in me. We're going to unpack that a little bit so you'll know more what it is. But another verse in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says this. It's by grace that you're saved. Through what? Faith. So faith is a major component of what it is that makes God happy, what kind of puts us in the place where God wants us to be. And so we got the idea that if you want to please God and be allowed to fellowship with him, then you've got to have faith. But what does that mean? What is faith? How can I make sure that I can have it? And most importantly, what if I don't? What if I don't believe? What if I don't feel like faith is even attainable to me? You know, that might be you this morning. You might be here like, I just came with a friend, or I just rolled in because I literally accidentally came to the YMCA. I was going to work out today, and it's church. I thought it was the Y. And, you know, it's like you just showed up, and you're like, well, I'll stick around. And so maybe what I'm saying to you right now, you're just thinking, I don't know. I don't know, what if I don't have this faith? I don't even feel like it's attainable to me. Well, we're going to get to unpacking a little bit of that because I don't think that it's impossible. I don't think it's something that's outside of our ballpark. But understand that faith is essential to pleasing God and, and being a Christian. Okay, that, that's the one half. That's the one half. The other half is this. Deeds. Look at what James says. We read this just a minute ago in James chapter, we read this, uh, yeah, earlier. James chapter 1 verse 17, it says, in the same way, oh, sorry, let me back up, 124. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. So it seems like James is saying, okay, well, faith is cool, but there's more to it than that, right? And there's another verse that says in 117, the same way faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. I see what the problem is. I think that should be James 2.17. So if you're writing notes down, make sure you do that. This is the only place in the Bible where you see the phrase faith only. If you've been in church much, maybe you've heard that phrase before, faith only. I'm saved by faith only. Uh, actually, it's not something that, that the Bible talks about much, faith only. It's kind of assumed that there's more than just having some kind of intellectual belief or even just faith. But he does say, it's not faith only that saves us. It's some things that we do. And so that might look like there's a contradiction here. On the one hand, you've got some guys like Paul saying, it's by faith, it's by grace that you're saved through faith. And on the other hand, you've got this guy James saying, it's not faith, it's works, it's deeds. 
Where do you come in and draw the line and pull them together? I think it's pretty easy. I think what happens is when you understand the full context of what's being talked about here. I talk about this adventure all the time, that when you're reading the Bible, you can't just pluck scripture verses out of the air and just say, I'm going to take this one from here and this one from here and make my own Bible. That's not how it works. We've got to get a fuller picture of who we're talking to and the context of each passage I just brought around. And so here, here's the big picture, okay? This, this is what I want to come down and just kind of show us where we're heading with the rest of the talk today. I think there are two phases that James and Paul and the other Bible writers are talking about. There's phase one. Phase one is, how do I become a Christian? Or how do I begin to make God happy? How do I become a Christian? The answer to that is faith. It's by grace that we're saved through faith. That's phase one. Let me talk about that for just a second because it, the times that I've mentioned this in the past, I've had people come to me and say that was really important for me to hear. Like I, I really, man, thanks for really laying that out. And here's the deal. I think a lot of times uh, we, get the, we get a confusion between the idea of religion and relationship with God. Religion is this checklist of things that we can do to begin to build a stair step from us to God. These are works. These are deeds. These are, I've been to church enough times. I've read my Bible enough times. I helped enough old ladies across the street. Like, I pay my taxes. I don't kick my dog. Like, all these things. This is what I do. And each time I do that, it puts a little block down on the ground, and we stack it up, and we stack it up, and we stack it up, and we stack it up. Now, when, when we begin to rely on building that stair steps of deeds, this is what it looks like. Okay, I'm standing on a stage, so pretend like I'm on the top of my staircase that I've built with all the good things I've done in life, and I'm just reaching for God. I'm like, ah, almost there. Okay, need a few more good things, a few more good things. And so I'm looking for things to do, and I'm trying. What do we end up doing? We put on a face. We, we start to have to fake it because we're just not good enough. What's the word? Counterfeit. And there we stand, reaching God has a different plan. By the way, that stack of boxes, that's called religion. Religion is the, the checklist of things we do to make ourselves feel like we're getting closer to God. On the other hand is this. This is what God does. God looked down on us, and he had compassion on us, and he said, I'm going to offer you grace. Grace is receiving something that you didn't deserve. In fact, in this context, it's the opposite of what you deserve. While we're building our little box, he goes, let me, let me help you with that. Instead of us reaching up, he reaches down with this huge arm. God makes himself into a man, Jesus. And he comes down and he shows us a better way and he shows us the path to God's love. And he says, if you believe in me, I can connect you with God's love and you can quit building the staircase. And you can just live a life that honors God. Faith is trusting in that grace. Faith is being willing to grab hold of God's hand and say, okay, these are the things you've given me to live through, and so I'm going to trust in that. Here at Venture, we have a phrase. We say we want to be a people who are God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And I, I try to take time to talk about at least one of those each week. The middle one there is grace-shaped. There's a lot of things in life that can shape us, our successes, our failures, our opportunities, our lack of opportunities, our income, our lack of income, uh, abuse we may have received, whatever. All these things come in and they shape us. And it's like our life is a ball of putty and it's been moved and it's been wiggled and it's been squished and it's been shaped and we all walk into this gym with our life in our hands like this and it's a mangled up ball of clay. But at our church we want to say, no, you know what, we don't want to be shaped by everything that's happened, it does affect us, right? It affects our personality, it affects who we are. But instead, we're going to choose to be shaped only by God's love and grace. God can define who I am. And so we've got this phrase, it's not about what you've done that defines you. 
You're only defined about what will happen because of God's love and grace. That's being grace-shaped. And so if it's about love and it's about deeds, then the deeds piece might seem like building a staircase, right? But why do we build the staircase? In other words, what if it's not just building a staircase? What if there are just good things to do because of God's grace? If phase one is faith, okay, so faith is becoming a Christian or beginning a relationship with God, then phase two might be this, being a believer in God, being a Christian, or as we call it here, being a God chaser, right? Being that, because I was saved by my faith and through God's grace, I'm going to do something, phase two, action. Or deeds or works. You can, there's a couple people taking notes, write down whatever words you can. You probably preach this better than me. But the whole point is this it takes both. One is an entry point, the other is where I go from here. On the one hand, you've got faith, which is about your roots. On the other hand, you've got deeds, which is about your fruit. What do you produce in your life? How are you different because of God's love? So the cool thing is, deeds, works, is still about faith. Because we do these things because God loves us. So let's move on. We're going to look uh, back at verse 14. We're going to start breaking down this big passage I read earlier. The first thing it says is, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save them? It's kind of a rhetorical question. Can you be saved just by your faith? James is seven, saying, If we have faith, then we should have deeds. Because I believe that God is good, because I am going to trust in his hand reaching down, I can be free to live a life that honors him. And by doing so, I produce good fruit in my life. A lot of people claim to have it. But as I look around, it doesn't seem like we all get it. And I'm not judging anybody. I'm just making an observation. In fact, this is true about my life as well sometimes. It's kind of like this. Uh, I'm a big NFL fan. I love football in general. Specifically, I love my Dallas Cowboys. Now, here's the thing. I know that half the people in this room want to talk junk about that. And that's fine. Because that comes with the territory of being a Dallas Cowboys fan. And it happens with every other sports team. But what I don't like is when I join in a conversation with somebody that is, say, um, an Eagles fan, right? We're in the same conference. We talk junk all the time. And so I might run into somebody who goes, oh, yeah, go Eagles. And I'm like, ah. Now, I'm a, I'm a kind sports fan. Some people are like talk trash and try to demean you until you want to go and hide in a closet until the end of football season. I'm like, look, I like hanging out. Let's, let's jab each other, then let's have fun. So we're talking about football. You say you're an Eagles fan, so I'm going to come back with, cool, so what do you think about that new trade with Jackson to the Redskins, huh? What do you think? And if, like, you're a real Eagles fan, you're like, yeah, I don't even know what to think about it. Or you got an opinion, right? But I hate it when I'm in a conversation with someone who says they're an Eagles fan. I bring up a big piece of football news, and they're like, huh? Like, if you, if you didn't follow what I just said about the news, you're that person, and it's okay. It's okay. But don't tell me you're a football fan, and especially an Eagles fan, if you don't know what's happening with your team. And then you talk more, right? And this person says, well, actually, man, I, don't really, I haven't watched them play in, like, years, man. Man, yeah, how long has it been? And then I find out that you're really only an Eagles fan because your uncle's an Eagles fan and he got you a t-shirt for Christmas one year, right? You're not an Eagles fan, you just have a favorite color. That's a, and so, honestly, seriously, I joke about football, I joke about sports. It doesn't matter what sports team you like. It's really about fun, it's about leisure, whatever. But when it comes to God, it matters. It matters why you say what you say. It matters what you claim to do. And so if the question is, what is faith and what are deeds? 
what I'd like to do is kind of define faith for us a little bit this morning. Like on the very front end, I've said this a lot of times, and so a lot of you might even remember it in your, in your thinking about God, but um, I've defined faith as this. It's not my original definition, but I've, I've heard this many times, that faith is knowing that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he's going to do. Knowing intellectually that God is who he says he is and that he will do what he says he will do because if you know those two things, you're going to trust him and you're going to follow through. And so that's like a general definition of faith. But what I want to do, one of the best ways to define a word sometimes is to define what it is not. Okay, and so I want to take a look at three quick things that faith is not. Three quick things that faith is not. The first thing is this. Faith is not just something you say. Faith is not just something you say. Like Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, and there's a group of people kind of challenging Jesus and saying, you know, I believe in you, I've got this faith, I know what I'm doing. And this is what Jesus replies to them in Matthew 7, 21. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. In this section of the Bible, Jesus is saying, look, you might say that you're doing stuff in my name, but are you really living out my will for your life? So not everyone who just says, Lord, Lord, which is the phrase he uses there, or I'm a Christian, is going to be good to go. Because it's not just something that you say. You can say all that you want to that you have faith. You can say all that you want to that you're a Christian. Maybe if you're in the room this morning and you're like, no, I never said that. Well, that's probably more honest than a lot of people who say that they do have faith. I don't care if your Facebook status says that you're a Christian. It's not just something you say. That's the first thing it's not. The second thing is this. It's not just something that you feel. It's not just a feeling. Like, our spirituality and our emotions are very closely tied. That's, that's, that's plain and simple. And so you may have had a moment where you're, like, in a church setting or with some friends or just listening to some music in your car. Maybe you're just having a personal kind of quiet time. And you just feel something, right? It's like stirring inside of you. And in that moment, you're like, my faith is strong right now. It is strong because I feel it. The problem with that is we feel good about a lot of things. Like I told you a minute ago, I like football. i tell you what I like. I love going to a high school football game in the fall when the air is crisp and the lights are on and the band is playing. And I love it when they have this hard-earned touchdown. And some kid, some sophomore that I've never met in my life scores a touchdown. I'm like, yeah, go Wildcats, Wildcats, Wildcats. Who are the Wildcats? I have no idea, but I'm cheering for them. Why? It made me feel good. In the moment, like, I was all about it. But I walk away and go, I, I don't even know these people. I don't even know who's playing right now. I just came out because I enjoy this. And the problem with saying that faith is directly tied to how we feel is, like, in the moments where we feel really strong because something felt good, we feel our straight faith is strong because something felt good, what happens when you have a bad day? What happens when you feel like God is far away because something bad happened? What happened when you're being a little bit lazy in life? Like, because I do that, right? And you don't feel quite as good. And then what happens is that we tend to say, well, well, now my faith is weak. Because I'm not feeling it anymore. And so faith is not just about what you feel. And it's not just about what you say. I said there was three. There's one more that I'm going to say. Faith is not just about something that you intellectually understand. It's not just about something that you intellectually understand. Um, I, I want to I take a look at James chapter 2, 18. We're going to skip ahead to that. And this is what it says in verse 18. It says, but somebody will say, you have faith, and I have deeds. As in, like, you can do one, and I'll do the other. 
And so James says, you show me your faith without deeds, and I'll show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there's, no, there's one God. Well, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. This is the person who is always up for an intellectual discussion about, the, about theology. And they're always wanting to come and, and battle and, and match intellectual wits. And, and, and they've always got to answer for everyone who believes differently than them. And look, this is a really important thing to have in your arsenal of things in your brain. But that's kind of what it's all about for them. And maybe that's you. Maybe for you, you see other people who claim Christianity and, and you see them going out and serving in the community and you see them loving their neighbor and you see them doing hard things to challenge their faith and you're like, yeah, that's good for them, but me, I'm good because I got God figured out. Like, I got all the answers. I could write it down in an essay. I'm good to go. Isn't that good enough? And here James says, no, that's not good enough. It's not just about having an intellectual understanding of God. It's crazy what he says here. He says, you believe, this is a, later on in that verse, we have a, screen, a slide for it. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. That's a, that's a heavy statement. Have you ever stopped to think about what the devil or, like, demons think about God? It's kind of a weird thing to think about. Like, do, do they believe in God? Yes, they do. What is their theology? <laughs> Do they believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yeah. Do they believe that he was born of a virgin and that the things that they said about him in the Bible and that he committed, that he, that he uh, performed miracles, do they believe that that's true? Yes. Do, does the devil believe that Jesus is the answer to give you a better life that can give you eternal life and that can give you a place in heaven? Does the devil believe that? Yes, he does. That's why they work so hard to drag us down. Because there, there is spiritual life out there, and some of it is not for us. It is against us. And so sometimes we want to say, well, I, I, I know about God in my head, so I'm good. And James says, no, man, the devil believes in God. Then why won't the devil be in heaven? And because his understanding of God doesn't, God doesn't lead to God-honoring fruit in his life. There's a distinct difference between the two. But if you went onto the street and, and you asked 100 people, are you a Christian? I think that even in the kind of uh, anti-Godish world that we live in, I think that we'd be surprised at how many people would say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And then you'd say, why do you think, say you're a Christian? And I think a lot of people's answers would be, because I believe in God. My question would be, how does that make your life different? How does it make you make different decisions? How does it impact the people around you? And would people look at you and say, man, that person is a light shining in a dark world. And it's all because of Jesus. It's not just something that you intellectually understand. And so there, it's not just something you say. It's not just something that you feel. It's not just something that you intellectually understand. So what is it? Well, here, here's part of the answer, because I was being a little bit facetious. Like, to some degree, it is about some things you say, isn't it? Like, you got to say things that are faith-driven. It is about some things that you feel, because you've got to feel things like compassion, right? It is about some things that you intellectually understand. God doesn't want us to be a bunch of dummy drones that don't understand anything. It is about some of those things, but there's more. So the time we've got left, I want to talk about now two things that faith is. Two things that faith is. Is. And the first one is this. 
Real faith is knowing God intimately. Not just knowing about God. You see the difference? Knowing God intimately, not just knowing about God. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, those people were saying, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? And, and, and Jesus looks at them. You know what he says? He says, depart from me. I never knew you. We've got to know God intimately. And what's that about anyway? Like Jesus didn't know somebody? I thought he was like son of God. Shouldn't he like know us? Well, yeah, he, he, he knows who you are. He could look each one of you in the eye and he could tell you your name and your birthday and how many hairs you have on your head and all these types of things. And he, he, would, he knows things about you. But there's a difference between knowing someone, knowing about someone, and knowing someone intimately. And I think to understand this a little bit, we can get into some of the language that Jesus used here. Uh, Jesus was a Jew, and uh, the, the, the language of the Jewish religion is Hebrew, still is, okay? And so Jesus was raised speaking Hebrew and Aramaic, and he would have known all these things. And there's this really cool word in the Hebrew language called yada. I don't speak Hebrew. I may have mispronounced it. So if you do, please correct me. I know you will. But yada. So let's all try that. Say yada. Yada. All right. The word yada means no. Or to know, or it's a verb, or, or how, whatever it is, but no, no. Now, it's not just an intellectual knowledge. There, there's, this, uh, there's this phrase here, um, John 17, 3, says this. Jesus is talking. He said, now this is eternal life, that we know you, yada. We know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Like, eternal life is contingent on us knowing, yada, God. It's important. But this eternal life and yada stuff gets really serious when we understand the background of what this word no means. The word no is the word that was used to represent uh, marital intimacy. Let's call it that. To know someone. For example, in Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible, uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says that Adam knew Eve and she conceived now, he didn't just like, hey, Eve, I know you. You work at Starbucks. Oop, you conceived. <laughs> no, like, he just know something about her. Like, he knew her. I'm talking about honeymoon loving, if you get what I'm saying. Okay? He knew her. This is, this is Adam knowing Eve. And the more literal translation, if you use the word yada, is that Adam yadad, Eve. So when we talk about knowing God, it's about this intimate understanding of what he likes and what he desires. And before you get too creepy about that, like, hold on, what are we talking about here now? Look, God knows you better than any spouse or lover ever could. So we don't need to be too, too private here, okay? And don't get bashful. God wants us to know him. And he wants to be known by us. Yada. That's an intimate knowledge and understanding. And um, you might feel like this is a stretch for you. Like, I recognize that there are people in the room right now, you might be like, I'm not even sure that I believe in God. I don't know where this could go. So this whole faith thing is kind of like, I don't even know what you're talking about right now. I want to encourage you to do this, okay? If this is all you get out of today, this is what I want to encourage you to do. Treat a relationship with God the same way that you would have treated a relationship with a, a person. Like, if you had a good friend that you wanted to, to start to hang out with, what would you do? You, you just start by just talking to him. Like, hey, and maybe, maybe for you, you just need to start talking to some other people who know about God and start reading his Bible and, and maybe start trying to pray. What is it like just to talk up to God? What is that like? 
You want to move into like a dating style relationship? What do you do? Well, you start spending more time together. You start learning more about their likes and dislikes. And you can begin there and, and build to a point where your knowledge of them becomes an intimate knowledge of them. It's a beautiful thing. And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to know him and for us to be known by him. And a lot of people know a lot of stuff about God, but they don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. They don't have any sort of intimacy with him. And real faith is about knowing, not just knowing about God. So, So what about you? Do you really know God? Like, None of us could say we really understand God, all his ins and outs. If, if, if he's God and he created the universe, we can never comprehend that. But what type of level of intimacy are we seeking with him? Are you spending time with him? Are you taking time to get to know more about him? Are you making him a priority? Know God. That, that's a part of faith. And then the cool thing about this is once you know someone intimately, you can start to know how they feel about things. Like my wife and I have been together for about 15 years, and I can easily be like, yeah, Lindsay wouldn't like that. <laughs> oh, Lindsay would like that. You know what? The more time you spend getting to know God, the more that you can start to go, you know what? God is really loving this. God is loving this right now. Or I don't think this is making God real happy right now. And it can affect how we live our life, how we treat people, and how the world moves along. It's an amazing thing, knowing God. So maybe you're someone who can't think of a single time when this would ever be relevant. I want to encourage you to take some time to get to know him. In fact, if you feel that way, it's probably because you don't know God. And maybe you've heard some things that aren't true about God. So spend some more time with us. That's all we do here. We just talk about God. We get to know him more. We look in his Bible. We study together. It's all good. It's fun. So faith is about knowing God. I said there's two things I want to say this morning. The first thing is faith is about knowing God, not just knowing about God. The second one is this. Faith is something that you do. It's something that you do. It's kind of like turning it into a verb and saying, like, I am faithing right now. It's something that you do. Like James 2.17 says, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith is something that you do. And in, in verse 18, he says, you show me your faith without deeds. I'll show you my faith by what I do. Faith is something that you do. Remember, this isn't just how you become a Christian. Like, at the very beginning, it's just the small things you do are like, I'm just going to trust God with this step. I'm going to trust God with this step. I'm going to trust God with this decision, with this decision, with this relationship, with this relationship, with this choice, with this choice. One by one by one, we grow our faith, but it's those steps that are the doing part of faith. It's action. You know, Jesus talked about this all the time. Um, I think of the story when Jesus is with his, his 12 apostles, the closest people to him, and there was this huge storm, and they were in a boat, but Jesus wasn't in the boat quite yet. There's this huge storm, and then Jesus is like, I guess he's just standing on the shore during the storm. You've stood at the beach maybe, and you've seen the ocean go crazy, or sitting on the news, and you're like, it's crazy out there. Jesus goes, I think I'll walk on the water. So he does. Jesus is Jesus. He does miracles. He walks out on the water. He gets out to the boat. And in the craziness of the storm, remember, most of these guys are professional fishermen, okay? And they've been on the sea. It's a big lake, but on the sea in bad storms before. But this is so bad that they are terrified. They think they're going to die. They look up and they see Jesus. They think he's a ghost because who walks on the water? And then Jesus stands there. You know what faith is? Faith is something that you do. And so this guy Peter is on the boat and he looks out at Jesus and he's like, Jesus, is that you? And Jesus says, yes, it's me. He goes, can I walk out to you? Can you imagine making that decision? Like the waves are throwing around, the wind is blowing, your friends have peed their pants, they're professional sailors. 
And you're like, I'm just going to, I'll be right there. And he does. He steps out on the water. He sinks because he's terrified, but Jesus doesn't let him drown. Faith is something that you do. And on and on it goes. I remember David in the Old Testament of the Bible. David becomes this great and mighty king, but before he is, he's just this little shepherd boy. He's kind of a nobody. And if you've been around church long, you might have heard the story of David and Goliath. That's an amazing faith is something that you do story. This giant is taunting the entire Israelite army. The Philistine giant of a man. He's their champion. And he was like, can anybody come and beat me? If anybody beats me, we'll just leave. All right, you cowards, your God is nothing, you are nothing, your king is nothing. Nobody will stand up to this guy, but David, this little, this little guy, he's a shepherd, he's just coming to visit his brothers on the front line of battle, and he's like, is anybody going to stand up to that guy? And everybody's like, no. David's like, well, I will. And so he goes, battles this guy with a slingshot and some rocks, doesn't even wear armor. Faith is something that you do. By the way, he wins. Faith is being willing to go into battle against insurmountable foes because you know God is with you. That's what faith is. It's something that you do. And so that's what James does. He takes a couple of more stories, and we're just going to kind of breeze through them. But in, in verse 20, he takes other stories from the Bible, and he starts out by talking about Abraham. In verse 20 through 24, he says, you, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? What about our father Abraham? Wasn't he considered righteous for what he did? When he offered his son Isaac on the altar, Abraham was a very, very old man, and God comes to him and said, I'm going to bless you with many children. And Abraham goes, well, that's interesting because I have none, and I am apparently sterile and can't have children. And uh, he goes, well, that's fine, or my wife is barren. She can't have children. Either. We're old. We're not having children. We don't know why. He says, I'm going to bless you with a child. It's like 25 years later, but God does. Now, they're very, very old, and they're super happy because they have this child, and then God says, I'm going to do really big things with you, Abraham, but before I do, I need to know, do you trust me? Abraham's like, yeah, I trust you. He's like, fine. Take the son that I gave you, and I want you to sacrifice him on an altar. I'm a dad. I've got two kids. I could not imagine being asked to do that. But Abraham had developed this mindset. If God asked me to do it, I'm going to do it. So he wraps his son up, puts him on an altar. He actually has a knife in his hand, and this sounds like craziness. But then God says, stop, 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 stop. Abraham, I've seen everything I need to see. You do trust me. Faith is something that you do. God provides another thing to, for the sacrifice, an animal. And it's amazing what God does through Abraham's family line. And so that's what James is talking about. And then we, we fast forward through that verse. He says, you see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, not by faith alone. James gives another example in the Old Testament of, of this lady named Rahab in verse 25. He says, in the same way, not even Rahab, the prostitute, was considered righteous for what she did. When she gave lodging to some spies and then sent them off in a different direction... It's a whole other story, but it's kind of self-explanatory. Basically, she's demonstrating by what she did. She was scared. She wasn't a reputable person, and, but she, she protected some of God's people. She took the guards that were chasing them and sent them in the opposite direction, and God blessed that. And the last verse says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I love that James uses Abraham and Rahab. Because that is so us. Abraham, on the one hand, goes through history as being this amazing, faithful man. And he, like, is the founder of, of, of 
three major world religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Like, it's amazing the legacy that Abraham leaves. On the other hand, you got Rahab. She's a prostitute. Compare their resumes. Decide who you're going to hire, right? But God says, faith, faith. I love them both, and I can use them both. And faith is something that you do. I want to close today with a question. Here's a question. If being a Christian were a criminal offense, which it is in some places, if being a Christian were a criminal offense, would there be enough evidence to convict you based on what you do in your life? Guys, I want to be a community of people who makes the city shine with God's goodness and love. I want to really live to our vision of being the church for, or a church for people who don't like church, church for people who don't like church. Like, I, I want to live to that vision so that anybody, some of you are in the room right now who are like, man, I walked in the room a couple weeks ago, maybe today was your first time, and it just felt different. The spirit was different. Things were happening. People were welcoming me, and I didn't feel like I was worthy of being welcomed. And, man, there are people all over our city who feel like they're living in this dark place in their life, and if we could just offer them some hope. And that's my story, and that's your story, and let's make it other people's story. But you know how that happens? It's when people who believe in Jesus put their faith into action. It's something that you do. It's something that you have an intimate knowledge of God about, and so therefore, you do. If being a Christian was a criminal offense, would there be enough evidence to convict you? It's a heavy question, but you don't have to sit there if you don't feel like there is any evidence. You can change that. You can start learning and getting more intimate with understanding who God is, and you can continue to make the faith come out in your life. But I'll speak specifically to those of you in the room right now who are like, man, I, I don't have that kind of faith. In fact, I don't even understand faith, and I think that you just left me at the curb today, Chris, because that's not me. This is obviously a message for all the people who have their life together. First, I don't think anybody in this room could raise their hand and say they had their life together. I know I can't. Second, and faith is all about that one step. It really is. Every day, it's step by step by step. Going, I'm going to trust God a little bit more. I'm going to learn about God a little bit more. I'm going to feel God a little bit more. I want to encourage you, if you want to grow in that faith and learn more about what God is all about, man, just consider joining one of our small groups. Most of our groups are kind of taking a break for the summer, but we're going to kick off here soon with some new groups, and the old groups are going to get going strong again. Make a note on your connection card. Like, I need to be in community with some people, and, and that's the small groups. You can just meet about every other week with most of our groups and meet some people and grow in that way. Maybe for you, it's just like, I just need to have a conversation with somebody to get started. I am volunteering for that right now, me. My name's Chris. If you make a note on the connection card, Emily gets the cards every week. She will email me by, like, Wednesday, and I will have your phone number and email address, and I will get up with you as soon as I can. But if you want to talk to, don't want to talk to me, anybody that was on the band this morning, you can talk to them, a volunteer. Just start the conversation and know that faith is about taking a step. Maybe the big step that you need to take is you just need to come back next week one more time. We'll do it. Come back next week. Join this fun family we have here and see all kinds of craziness that we do, and it'll help change your life. Guarantee it. That's what Jesus does.